It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger in a crowded not really ready, but I'm here. Yeah, this is show people it's ninety percent is just showing up. That's right. <laughs> it really is. If not a hundred percent. Yeah, we, we didn't say to the shores. Oh, whoops! We are oh, in a weird dude. headspace. Did we just ruin everything? <laughs> Podcast over. To the shores. To the shores. Hmm. I think 100% of it is just showing up. Yeah. Because everything is downstream of that. Yeah. If you don't show up, then nothing happens. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's just a powerful thing. It's true of anything you try to do. Yeah. Just get your body there. <laughs> Things will work out. Yeah. It would be like me saying like, hey, Matt, wasn't that podcast great? You're like, we didn't do a podcast, Michael. Yeah, but it was great, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, we didn't show up. <laughs> I'm glad that we've been showing up. Yeah. It's been hard. It's hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. I've had, a, I've been having a, a difficult run lately. Sometimes I don't want to do it. Yeah. I think that's something we've learned with this is that even though sometimes we're not in the mood or don't want to do it or whatever, it's like, if we just show up and start, mm-hmm. we don't ever regret it. No, and that's true. So I think and that's... Yeah. Maybe we could dig into that because mm-hmm. so many things are like that. Mm-hmm. You don't ever go work out and then regret it. Yeah. You know, but you don't want to go. Mm-hmm. We just have, us humans, we have such a weird relationship with things that we want to do. Yeah. We fight with it all the time. I mean, even this morning, like I was, uh, 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 I got up a little bit later and so I, I, I had time to get my coffee, but then I was like, oh, well, maybe I don't go work out. I was like, Michael, just drive there. It's like one of those days you have to yeah. like, just talk or something. Right. Okay. I, I drove. All right. Well, just do your stretches. Okay. I'll do my stretches. Because Wednesdays are my little bit more heavier workout day or heavier for me <laughs> workout day. So I did my stretches. Like, okay, we'll do the first training thing. I was like, okay, cool. I'll do that. Okay. Well, okay. Do the second one. You know, it's like, and after that, I was like, you know, the, the, the sauna and the, and the plunge were yeah. a lot more, even then you, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll do the, do it for 10 minutes instead of 15 minutes or three minutes instead of five minutes. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just need to do that. It's not like a, yeah. you know. Well, I think it is pretty amazing that if you just show up and start to have a conversation like you might, a lot of times I think, well, I don't really have anything to say this week. But then we can talk for an hour mm-hmm. every time. I always have something to say. <laughs> well, that always baffles me too. Whenever I'm with somebody, uh, it's usually somebody I don't know as well, but like I can pretty much get into a conversation with anybody. Uh, and maybe it's like the, the person just doesn't want to talk to me, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's, it always surprises me when someone doesn't have something to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're tired, like I feel like there's still things that uh, you still have something to, to kind of say or it can be stirred up, you know? Well, yeah, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think that speaks to the divine in each of us. There's like an infinite sea inside mm-hmm. of you. So I've always found that a bit strange as well. Like, I don't have anything to say. Mm. That seems to me, has always seemed to me to be a lie. Mm. Like if you ask somebody, what are you thinking? And they're like, nothing. Yeah. He's like, that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just as well as I can, that you can't turn your brain off. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, Although I've had some people tell me that there's, they can just not think of anything. I mean, I guess that's the point of meditation, right? Like mm. that's the goal. Uh, it, it can be a goal, you know, or it can be a, a practice of meditation. Well, I'm for the working uh, bounds of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to assume that there does not exist a person who really cannot think anything. Yeah, I or agree. really can not think. Uh huh. Um, I think the issue is when you say I don't have anything to say. Mm. What you mean is I don't have anything I'm willing to say. 
Or if, or even if like the even the um, the adventuresomeness of starting, you know that to not to be able to saying things that you might not really understand what you're saying, you know, <laughs> you're just you're starting to kind of like explore what you're actually thinking. And I think that's hard for some people. It's, it's like, scary. I haven't thought through that, or I don't even know what it is that I'm yeah, thinking. Right. Well, and that can be scary too, because if you don't know yourself very well, or you don't mm-hmm. trust yourself, you may not want to explore because. Mm. What are you going to find? Hmm. Yeah, you might not like what you find. Yeah, I mean, it seems like like shame and guilt or, you know, uh, I'd say shame probably is like, you know, the story you tell yourself, like, I'm not smart or I don't have anything important to say or I'm not a deep thinker. And I, th- I just think that's all bullshit. I mean, I think if you're human, <laughs> you're a deep thinker. You just don't, you just don't know. Yeah. You just maybe haven't. So I, didn't know if, that. I didn't know if I wanted to go here tonight, oh. but there's a good, this is a perfect segue into it because I think, you know, you don't know yourself very well, so you don't know what you're going to find if you start exploring. But also I think so many of us are constantly mediating between ourselves and the world mm. through a model. So someone might ask you a question so you meet somebody at the park and you're with your kids and they might ask you a question. Who knows? It's irrelevant. But um, a part of you might go, how does a good father respond? Hmm. Because I'm just meeting this person. I'm with my kids. I want to be seen as a good father. Yeah. Maybe I do really do deeply want to be a good father, but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. And so we set up this model. And I think there's something functional to that that's hard to get away from, but then at that point, we're not actually saying what we think. We're saying what we think a good father would think. Hmm. And we lose touch with ourselves. Hmm. I noticed this in, like after my divorce, my, my divorce was quite contentious. And there is a caricature of who I am that exists in the mind of my ex-wife and in some de- to some degree in the mind of my kids. Hmm. And I think for a long time, I responded to that by acting out a caricature of myself, which went to battle with that. How so? Well, there was a... The caricature of me that exists in her household is that I'm this bad guy. Hmm. And so I created a caricature of myself that I'm actually this really good guy. Hmm. And sort of send that caricature out to battle with her bad guy version. Hmm. I really only recently realized that, well, I don't need to do that. Because I am a person. Mm -hmm. I don't need to carry around a caricature of myself. Hmm. And I don't need to project myself through some idea of what it means to be a good person. Yeah. What if I just was who I was? That's a hard, that's a hard statement though. Like, who are you? Right. And and as you were talking about, it just made me think of different things where... You know, so a customer comes into Medici, you know, you're interacting with staff that are representing Medici, you know, so it's like, so who are they? Who who are you at that moment? So, you know, you might not share with them your deep, intimate secrets with a customer. Right. You're kind of also, you're playing a part, but you're also who you are. You know, like, there's like a little bit of a tension there. Um, so, I mean, is, is that kind of like a, is that... Is that a mask that we wear or is this, is that another aspect of ourselves? Like, like this is Michael Medici, you know, tending customers, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a difficult conversation yeah. to wade through, which is why I didn't know if I wanted to wade into this territory, but. Are you scared? <laughs> um, I think we are always necessarily playing a part. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason for that is we can see into the future. We know that tomorrow is coming. We also know that we're vulnerable. 
Mm-hmm. But our response to that is, well, let's prepare for tomorrow. Let's increase our odds of success tomorrow mm-hmm. by working today, which is a form of sacrifice. And so we are playing a part which says, I'm going to behave in the world as if I'm going to live tomorrow and also I might die tomorrow. Hmm. Now, you don't really know which of those things is going to happen. Lay on top of that the idea that because we have that construct, I I now can hope for what tomorrow will bring Hmm. in the next week and year. I can hope for what my what life will bring to my kids. Mm-hmm. And then I can behave as if, which is to say I can prepare for, I can design my life around the idea that I'm going to be flourishing mm. and my kids are going to be flourishing. So that's playing a part and in response to hope. Yeah. So if I want to be a good father... I just did the thing. Uh, um, I have to have some idea of what a good father is mm. and live according to that. It's it's the classic conundrum of you need the left and the right. Mm. You need tradition and you need structure, but also tradition and structure aren't enough. And so you need progress and change. Mm-hmm. So if you hold too strictly to the idea, let's stick with the good father idea. The, the, the model of a good father, which helps you as you are learning how to be a father. Mm-hmm. And if you are only your model, you only allow what fits the model, then who are you? You don't know. Hmm. You don't know if you're really that man. Yeah, there, there's... And, a, yeah, go ahead. And that's when it becomes the mask. That's mm-hmm. when it becomes the, the tyranny... Yeah. of the right. Mm-hmm. The alternative, I, I would say, is to is the tyranny of the or the chaos of the left, which is I'm gonna chaos of the right, tyranny of the left. In what sense? Brain. Oh, the right side's more. Is oh, you talking about the brain? Yeah, I'm so, talking about political. Oh, political. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. The political Sorry. right, political left. The chaos of the left is everyone is exactly who they are. And there's no mediation between who you are and what facilitates a successful society. Mm. So I might say, well, I'm not going to try to be a good father. I'm just going to father exactly how I want at every moment. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not going to make me a very good father. Yeah. Because one of the things that children need from a father is safety, security, and reliability. And if you're just who, exactly who you are, going, responding to your whims at every moment, then that you're not going to provide those things. Yeah. And it occurs to me that this is this is the exact same idea that's laid out essentially in the biblical narrative which is that the man was given the law, Mm. which essentially is a model of what it means to be a good person. But that didn't work out so well. Mm. So Jesus comes and dies on the cross to free man from his own sin and also from the law. Mm. He says, you are no longer under the law. And then... The response is, so what now? We just do whatever we want? And it seems like you run straight into a conundrum there. But I'm starting to see the light in that. Hmm. Just as I interact with my own, the ways in which I have set up these structures through which I mediate with the world in realizing, well, that's like a law. And I'm doing what the law says. I'm not doing... I'm not saying what I think. I'm saying what I think the person I want to be would say. Mm -hmm. 
And I've, in a sense, lost myself in that and need to be free of that. Hmm. Because, you know, it's like the, the law in the Bible was given and then it just, it wasn't enough. So they increased and increased and increased. And so, you know, by the end, how many rules are there in the Torah? Like thousands, right? Mm -hmm. That's all I did. Still, it's not enough. Yeah, it's all I did. Like the the Sabbath, uh, man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for man. It's like, there's that part where we kind of uh, uh, invert what the law is for. It's for us, not us for the law. So it's to serve us. So whenever, you know, when, it, when you are free, it's like you end up putting restrictions on yourself to help you. But there, those restrictions are there to help you, not restrict you. Right. And I think that's a, that's a... It's a weird thing to wrap your mind around. Mm -hmm. It's like I'll, I have a lot of disciplines in my life, but, and I find sometimes where I am serving those disciplines or when those disciplines are serving me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, Michael, you have to get up at four o'clock. You know, because that's what you do, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm serving, like even with that schedule thing I was doing for, you know, three or four months, you know, it's like I find myself at some point I'm serving my schedule rather than the schedule serving me <laughs> in the things that I'm doing. But it's so interesting because like the very thing that was to give me sort of like the freedom to accomplish the things I wanted to do actually became the thing that was sort of, you know, biblically death or restricting to me was that, you know, the, I just think it's super fascinating how, um, you know, me having all these different things planned out is so helpful and so much fun, you know, when it was serving me, but yeah. then all of a sudden I became the slave of the mm -hmm. system, you know? Right. It's even, you see this with the whole idea of freedom and, and, uh, uh, safety, you know, like, protect us, you know, and then we, people put these laws in place to protect us. And then at some point, those very laws that were there to protect us end up enslaving us to, uh, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, speech laws or something like that. Like, you know, we want everyone to be safe and comfortable. And so therefore we're going to put these speech laws into place. And then all of a sudden now you can't, you, and then at some point you can't say anything hardly, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's, you can't communicate well. You can't communicate because well, you can't communicate without hurting somebody's feelings. Like, hmm. I mean, even if you're just super sensitive, like, well, Matt, I don't think you're right. Well, you just hurt my feelings. That's not, that's not okay. <laughs> it's like, well, well, we can't have a conversation then. There's no dialogue here. Yeah. So I love this because it gets to the heart of that question of like, who are you? Hmm. And you don't know. You're becoming, and what would it be like if you found the laws of your own mind, mm. which I've been using the word models in this sense? What if you freed yourself from those, where you let yourself be free from them, mm -hmm. and you actually said what you think, and you risked the damage that that might do? So <clears throat> who was it that says you have to risk offense in order to be honest. Mm -hmm. I, think I think Thomas was, Jefferson. Oh, yeah, I was thinking of Kathy Newman and uh, uh, um, Peterson. Yeah, I mean, he does say that, but mm -hmm. I think the quote is attributed to... Benjamin Franklin or Jefferson. Yeah. Say, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what if you said what you think? You start a conversation, you say what you actually think, mm -hmm. not what you think about what you think or not what the person you want to be you think would think, but what you actually think. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard. But if you had the courage to do it, and then if you discovered that you don't like it, like, whoa, I don't like that I think that. Mm -hmm. Then, well, now you know. Okay, I need some more information. I need to look at myself harder. I need to take a, a deep look at why I think this, because I don't like that. And I would like to like what I think. <laughs> I feel like my language is totally degrading and I'm just like repeating a ton of words, but I've asked myself this question before. Do you like living your life? Hmm. And if the answer is no, what would you change? Hmm. 
And that's a really, at least for me, I find a difficult discourse to go through with myself because I don't want to admit that there are things about my life that I don't like. You know, because I have this idea of like, I want to be a good person. I want to be a successful person, a good father. Things are working out. You know, my life is steadily improving. At least that's what I want to believe. Mm -hmm. But if I don't like it, if there's something I don't like, and then what would you have to do to change it? What if I don't want to do that? Am I the kind of person that is just willing to live with parts of my life that I don't like? And do I like that person? Would I, am I willing to be that person? Mm-hmm. And the horrifying reality is, well, maybe I am willing to be that person. Now, what do I think about that? Mm. So you can play this game, it seems like, infinitely. Yeah. As you're as you're talking about these things, I'm just seeing um, an age range and how that question's asked. Mm-hmm. You know, and and when you're younger, you're definitely a lot more. You're less censored. You're more uh, exploratory in who I am. You know, in answering that question. You know, uh, you know, uh, this one guy talks about like you know babies. You know, when they're hungry, they just go like, "I'm hungry." They don't give a shit what's going on or that's inconvenient to you. They're just like saying like, this is, I know what I want and I know what I need and that's food, you know, uh, or I know I'm comfortable or I've got a poop, you know, it's like in my pants and you need to change it, you know, obviously this is done through crying, but I need to poop in my pants and I need you to change it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's very simple, but they're not, they're unabashedly telling you that something's wrong, you know? And as kids get older, it's like that becomes more sophisticated. Um, and then like with adolescence, there's just sort of like, even leading up to adolescence, there's a sort of uncertainty as you become more of a social creature. And that probably is more like in four, two and, you know, two, two, three, and four, whenever you're starting to interact socially, you start butting up against the world and other people that want different things and other things. And you're outside your immediate circle of care where your mom and dad, you know, generally speaking, are going to take care of those needs. And there's a safety in exploring, like, you know, I don't like this, or this is mine, and your parents are going to handle it in a certain way. And then you go a little bit further out in the world, and all of a sudden another kid's like, no, this is mine. You're like, no, this is mine. And there's this interaction going. Um, and you know, kids, when they play, they kind of are learning about themselves through other people and, and how they play with each other, you know, and like, oh, it's a lot more enjoyable whenever we share and take turns, you know, mm. um, uh, and there's a bunch oh, yeah, of that's interesting that how you don't want to share it first. And then you eventually learn the pleasure mm. of sharing because mm-hmm. there really is a unique pleasure in sharing. Like sharing a Glass of whiskey. Totally. <laughs> but it's, that's just a great analogy because you can see it so clearly in kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I will fight anyone to not share. Yeah. This and is what mine. you're saying no to, what the kid is saying no to is something which has inherent pleasure in it. So mm-hmm. you're saying no to pleasure, mm-hmm. but you don't know it at the time. And I think um, something, an analogy from childhood that, you and I use a lot is the idea of like, how do you teach kids to apologize and to forgive? Another thing which is deeply moving, I'll use that instead of the word pleasurable, but yeah. how do you teach them to do it? Well, essentially you, you make them do it mm-hmm. and it's not genuine. They don't mean it. It's sort of like fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. You're going to, you're going to fake it. But at some point, generally, the kids stop faking it. Mm-hmm. They realize the meaning in it and the power in it, and they can do it all on their own. This is the same, I think, as the law and the models. You might say I'm an adult. You're learning something new. Fatherhood, let's say. Mm-hmm. You might say, well, you kind of have to fake it till you make it, which is a great thing to say. But sometimes we fake it and we don't stop faking it. Mm. 
we never learn who we truly are. We're simply playing that part. And at a certain and that that makes sense at the beginning of something. Yeah. But at some point you need to look at somebody and say, you look at a father and you say, You're you're still faking it. It's been fifteen years. Hmm. Your son needs to see you. Mm-hmm. Your son is desperate to see you, not this fake model that you're projecting all of the time. Yeah. It's not genuine and it's not real. It was meant to help you along, not to take you all the way there. Which is super interesting. Like even as we're talking about the sort of as you grow up into like adolescence and then early adulthood, you know, there's this whole thing. It was like you mimic other people. Mm -hmm. You see qualities, whether good or bad in other people that you admire Yeah, and you, you try them on or you mimic them and see what that is like, you know, you join a certain peer group or you're in a peer group and, and everyone starts taking on these certain characteristics. And there's something comforting in that, that you all have a certain language or way that you interact with each other. Like my son's in the D and D, you know, so he and his is friends, Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons. Dragons. Yeah. And so he and his friends, like that's what they orient themselves around. And, but it facilitates more than just the game. There's also relational stuff. They get frustrated with each other. You know, it's like, not playing well or who's, who carries what stuff, you know, it's like, it's interesting. Like, you know, we, we also have to play in order to, to find out more about ourselves. And sometimes it comes through games or, you know, peer groups or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's a way that we work out what we think and who we are like, Oh, I don't really like that. You know, is if your peer groups into something that you might not be into or, you know, everyone's doing drugs and, you know, stealing stuff. Right. You might be like, oh, something about this is not okay. And you can either shut that down and continue with it. And then there's consequences and you learn from those consequences. And and then maybe next time you'll learn, learn to listen to that voice a little bit early where you're like, man, I was in a situation like this and I didn't listen to that voice. This time I'm going to listen to that voice, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I think and then your kind of your twenties is kind of like a interesting, interesting phase of you're, you're very idealistic about the world. You know, it's like, you know, everyone in their twenties should be a socialist or Democrat, you know, <laughs> like in, when you're in your sixties, you're going to be a conservative Republican right, or something right. like that. But there's something about that is like, you know, it's good to have those ideals, you know, and the exercise and the push what is actually possible, you know? What do you think? <laughs> oh, I just had an insight about Bill Maher. Hmm. <laughs> he never got married or had any kids. Oh, yeah. That's why he's still, well, he's like reluctantly a Democrat these days, but, mm-hmm. you know, was kind of poster boy for it for a while. Mm-hmm. But he didn't really ever grow up. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing to... You think about it like also, oh, I don't know if I can, I don't, th- I don't think I pull us in directly with what we're talking about, but it's sort of like a side tangent, but the smarter you are, the easier you are susceptible to not changing because you are more easily to reason and rationalize your position than those who are maybe less intelligent or educated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just makes you more powerful in, in reasoning in your own perspective, you right. know. I think um, that Andy Dukakis girl. Mm-hmm. What? I forgot her last name. Du- I can look du- real quick. Duchess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Dukes maybe. <laughs> a Dukes. Yeah. Annie that sounds Dukes. more right. Andy yeah. Dukes. Yeah. She's a professional poker player. Right. Like very. Uh, like has won the world. Yeah, she's series. won a couple of bracelets and super interesting. What like, do you brilliant. call the World Series of Poker? It's not a series. That's baseball. Yeah, World Series of Poker. Yeah. It's World Series? The W-Swap. W-Swap, yeah. Hmm. They just finished yesterday. I think she, I learned this from her is that she was talking about how the smarter you are, the more biased you become. Hmm. Because you can cut and slice the data and the logic and the reason hmm. into your favor quite well. And hmm. so that's to your point. Like, why would you ever change your mind on anything? 
yeah, it's like confirmation bias, I guess, is the, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, the, I think there's this whole journey and like, what does it mean to be like, who am I? Yeah. It's like, there's, I think there's like a lot of a, like exploration and, and getting things wrong and, and trying it out with other people. Yeah. You know, kind of like you're talking about, because at some point you also learn that saying what you think is not always the best thing, you know? Definitely not. It's like, and then, and then other people would err on the other side. It's like, no, you need to speak even if you're wrong. Yeah. Even if, they, if somebody doesn't like what you, if you, if you don't like what you have to say, it's like, we're always writing that. Uh, I can just see different personalities of people that like, no, say what you think, even if it's dumb or whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. you know if you're like, dude, just take a chill pill. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, it reminds me of um, a little bit of a filter. <laughs> I think this is like another Thomas Jefferson or Abraham Lincoln quote, which is goes something like, you know what they say about advice the fools won't take it and the mm. wise don't need it. Mm. And it's sort of a, it's like you shouldn't give advice. Mm. It's not helpful. So you might think, you know, you might be talking to a friend mm-hmm. and think, this This is done, treated really nicely in the show Ted Lasso. Okay. There's an episode where Coach Beard, pretty much the whole series is dating this girl. I don't remember her name. Um, and this girl seems sort of obviously nuts. I would say unhinged. <laughs> unhinged and bad for him. And, uh, you know, he keeps dating her and they keep breaking up and getting back together and breaking up. And at some point, uh, Leslie, what's his last name? Higgins. Higgins, yeah. At some point, Higgins is like, I want to tell him, like, you need to get out of this relationship. And everyone around him is like, no, you don't, you shouldn't tell him that. Hmm. And eventually throughout the course of the show, he does tell him and it really upsets Coach Beard, but also something in Coach Beard that was like, yeah, I know that's the truth too. Hmm. And I think he gets out of the relationship again and then he gets back together and they end up getting married. But hmm. the point there is that It isn't the advice that helped him. He needed to learn for himself mm. what that was and accept what it was. And eventually he accepted it and embraced it. But That's hard because I, I both agree and disagree with this. I think sometimes you need to hear the hard things from your friends, you know, advice. And yes, I, I agree. I think that there is a time and a place. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I mean, who else is going to speak into your life in an honest yeah. and even if they're wrong? <laughs> well, but know, it's maybe like, <laughs> it's more nuanced. Like, it's, it's advice is different than speaking into someone's life. Hmm. Yeah. Like, my dad spoke into my life. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't think of, of a single piece of advice he ever gave me. Maybe it's so, like, you know... So camouflage. Such a ninja. (laughs) Such a ninja. thought ninja. (laughs) Well, maybe. And maybe that's the better way to do it is Mm -hmm. through discourse and understanding and patience and forgiveness and... Jedi mind tricks. (laughs) All of that and Jedi mind tricks. You know, none of that really is advice. Mm -hmm. Think about it this way. Advice columns, which Mm -hmm. used to be a thing in papers. Uh Dear Abby, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Super... Interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that actually improved anyone's life? I think so. Okay. Because, I, like, I, again, I think listening and and watching scenarios play out is super helpful. We do that with movies. We do that with right. you know, fiction. And, and there's something about... You know, again, the, the, the writer doesn't have all the information. They're just going by what the person wrote. So it's like, yeah. here's my advice based on the information that you gave me, you know? And it's okay. sort of like it plays it, 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 you, it, you get something like a, a video game that plays a, a scenario out for you, you know? Okay, I'm going to keep attacking this. Do it, do it. <laughs> Does Gandalf give advice? Yes. How so? 
Well, that's I think that's the subtlety of it is is like you have different types of people and different types of advice. Well, I would say Gandalf doesn't give advice. Gandalf asks the right questions. But what? But but how does he have the right questions though? That's the thing. Wisdom. Uh huh. But he also knows the he knows the general vicinity of what the right answer is, and he's helping the person. But this is my whole point about advice: is Jedi yeah, mind tricks. <laughs> he knows the general vicinity of the right answer, uh-huh. but he's not going to say, "Here's the right answer," mm-hmm. because there's something wrong with that. Because without, because if that were the case, then there would not be the story of the Lord of the Rings, and it's an undeniably valuable story. But I think that's the part where it is. Uh, it's helpful to have different types of people in different ways as like in some instances the gandalf way is helpful and other times it's like you need the aragon who's like you know write out with me now you know it's like he he's like (laughs) you know you need that sort of you need sometimes you need somebody to like say it straight to you right and i mean it really is a wisdom thing you know some people are just always in one or the other like i don't know you know what if the flowers bloom on the left side of the road? And you're like, what are you trying to say? Like, just tell me, like, what, it, what, what do you, what's, what's your thing? You know, I'm going to get a cube. This is, yeah, that sounds good. I can, do I can want take to? one too. Yeah. But I definitely think using the Lord of the Rings uh, is, is super helpful because you do definitely see different types of advice and in ways that people uh, uh, encounter each other and, and how they move forward. Uh, yeah, I just think of like, you know, even like, like Sam and, and Frodo. I'm still talking. I can't it's still hear like, you. you can't hear me? Oh, whoa. This was a huge whore. Dude. You're sorry. <laughs> I'm really not sorry, but <laughs> this is going to be a three hour podcast. All right, we're getting drunk. <laughs> um, but there's so many, there's so many examples in Lord of the Rings of, advice being given you know some of it's straightforward <laughs> what <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> you laughing at my i'm having a conversation about something you're not even right, not even in the room <laughs> okay i don't really need you matt i can, <laughs> I can have a conversation with myself where right are now. we um advice we just talked about aragon and gandalf but we don't have to go down. Let's move to, on from the, advice. The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have not seen or read those stories in quite some time. So, mm. but I just, I, I do think, I think I like the character of Gandalf because I think that questions are much more powerful than statements. Because if you know the truth, and maybe this is why it's like the truth is much bigger than can be encapsulated in some piece of advice or some description or some something like that hmm. and cool. and like a kid who doesn't want to share you can't give them the pleasure of sharing by making them share mm-hmm. you have to like ask them questions that cause them to be curious about sharing that there might be something on the other side of it hmm. yeah it's interesting because I, I, when I see this like a, I see an, a 60-40 or an 80-20 so direct advice or information is more like a 20 or 40% of the time where questions and probing is probably more of like a 60, 80% of the time, mm-hmm. like is, is more helpful. Cause I, I would say it's probably useful to have the questions, but then at the same time, it's, it's sometimes just relieving just to like, Hey, tell me what you think about this situation. Like, what should I do now? Whether I take your advice or not, that's a whole nother thing, which I think maybe with people you're closer to, like when you tell me something or give me advice about something, I don't feel like you're telling me what to do, but you're basically saying like, hey, I know you fairly well. And based on that, this is what I would do. 
And it's like, it's, but you're saying from it's more from a point of like, take this into consideration, you know, hmm. or or that's how I feel it, it whenever whenever you kind of speak more directly, you know, yeah. Um, where like you know, like an overbearing father would be sort of like, here's my advice, and you're you're intended to take it. There's no thinking about it. My advice is more of a command than it is an advice than it is advice, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's why you have advisors is like you're you're asking them for their opinion on what you should do. And you should have multiple advisors from, you know, having different points of view. Um, Because you're relying on their expertise for things. Mm. However, but however, I do see it in that same situation as like somebody who... can maybe probe probe more the person who's asking advice, you know, like what what does this mean to you? Like how does this how's this gonna help you or how's this gonna help this situation, you know? Um but that's why we need experts or advisors in our life, because maybe they have some experiences that we don't mm. don't necessarily have yeah. or I mean, that's my dream is to be president and to be able to like call in like top advisors from every field of study and just mm-hmm. feel like, <laughs> why is, why is the president always having all these symposiums? <laughs> <laughs> he just loves information. <laughs> just love information. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, we do have like Chappie and Google, but it's just, it's just different having a person who is knowledgeable, you know, in that field of study or, or anyways, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm trying to say that advice is a bad thing or it's not needed. I think I'm simply trying to say that often it falls on deaf ears and that I think often a very well-designed and well-timed question Hmm. does far more good than any piece of advice could. Because it's like you're not trying to show them the what you've learned about the thing. Mm-hmm. You're trying to show them the thing. And the only way to show them the thing is to take them to the thing mm. and have them experience it. You know, you can learn a lot about the pyramids of Great Egypt by Googling mm-hmm. or by talking to experts or watching documentaries, but none of that Like, all of that is pales in comparison to going to see the pyramids, Hmm. which is an unfair uh, example because I've never gone to see the pyramids. (laughs) Uh, I'll replace it, the the analogy, with uh, Yosemite. Like, I had watched a lot of documentaries about Yosemite mm -hmm. and was in awe of it. But that doesn't even scratch the surface of what I felt when I went there. And I climbed up on top of Half Dome. That's a really great analogy between like uh, an advisor or advice and a good question. Because it is super helpful. Like I can't go to the pyramids. Like I need somebody to come and advise me about that, that who's been there. Yeah. And then. Well, and that might be useful in a certain situation. Mm-hmm. But it's really better for you to go there it's yourself. Not, not a substitute. Uh-huh, and have the experience. Yeah. And it's just like there's there's just so many. Here's an analog to this. Mm-hmm. This is why it's so important to travel hmm. and to go out into the world. Yeah. Uh, increasingly, our lives are dependent upon the inputs that we get through our phones, mm-hmm. which is the same as, well, I'm just getting a bunch of advice. I'm getting a bunch of information from the experts, all of that. Hmm. Our narrative is shifting, whether by design or naturally, from the risk of COVID to the risk of climate change. Hmm. And it was interesting. I stumbled across a... Do you, do you remember the fail army videos? Mm-mm. This is like a thing years ago, this YouTube channel, um, where they would compile different fails, quote unquote fails. Mm -hmm. Someone's trying to do something and they fail, you know, and they get hurt or it's funny or whatever. Yeah. 
ran across one of these, and it was a uh, man versus nature fail <laughs> army video. Okay. And the things in this like 10-minute video, and I didn't watch the whole thing, but it's like these small little clips of different scenarios very quickly in succession. And you watch it, and you, I'm like, oh, right. Nature is brutal mm. and so powerful. Yeah. And we don't really live in nature anymore. Hmm. So we forget that. We think that the world is a safe place mm -hmm. and like, oh my God, <clears throat> we've messed it up. Now it's going to be a dangerous place. Hmm. And we've got to consolidate power and make rules to, pr to protect us from our own hand of making nature dangerous. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, nature was always dangerous. Mm -hmm. You just forgot because you didn't go into it. Oh, yeah, you didn't experience it. You didn't experience it. And, well, I lost my train of thought. Well, it made me think of like uh, Instagram. Uh, there's this lady, I think it, she might be on TikTok. I have no idea, but somebody will say something about Gen Xers and she'll answer the question. You know, it's like this guy who's in a beanie with his shirt off and he's like, why did you only drink from the hose outside? Like, don't you guys oh, have you, sinks? I think you sent that to me. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, she, it's, it's this lady answers, well, let me tell you why we drank from hoses. Because we were allowed into the fucking inside. <laughs> Our parents said, get outside. <laughs> and we weren't allowed to come inside. So we had to drink through the hose. And, uh, you know, it's like, that's, they had like these, these warnings at 10 o'clock news where they were like, hey, do you know where your kids are? It's yeah. like, they do you remember that? <laughs> oh, I don't remember all that stuff. I yeah. I, that sounds familiar to me, like, but I don't like directly remember that. But the, do you? It's 10, 10 p.m. Do you know where your kids are? Yeah. 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 She's like, you had, they had to remind people <laughs> that they had kids. Uh -huh. But this was true. Mm -hmm. I mean, even for me, and I'm technically a cusper, I'm not really a Gen Xer, but, yeah. you know, my mom would kick us out of the house. Yeah. Say, you can't come in. Don't come back till dinner. Mm -hmm. You know, we had to go out and be in the world. And you get <laughs> CBS called on you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, oh, yeah. Totally. CPS would be called on people. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's it's important to travel. Mm -hmm. You know, even just like the times we've been out to Big Bend, like I love going out there in part because you're reminded of the simultaneously nature brings so much life, even in a place like a desert. Mm. And yet so much death mm -hmm. and danger. And I was out there for my son's 13th birthday. My dad and I took him out there and took him camping. And we were positioned in this place on the west side of the park, kind of in between Terlingua and Big Bend. We were camping and we were on this little hill. And for about five hours, we watched a thunderstorm roll in. Mm. And when I say watched a thunderstorm, I mean you could see the entire thunderstorm. Like, I absolutely love this. <laughs> there was clear skies on the left, clear skies on the right, the entire thunderstorm, lightning, gnarly, totally black clouds, and we just watched it sweep across this vast desert. And eventually it came and, and hit us. But it took about five hours, and that's, mm -hmm. that's just how far you can see out there mm -hmm. when you're in certain positions. Because there are mountains, but we were pretty far from them. So to see that, not to be told about it, not to look at a picture, not to watch a video, mm -hmm. but to stand there and, and experience it, not just with two senses, which would be eyes and ears, but you can smell it. Mm -hmm. You can feel the electricity. You can feel the thunder. Or the cool air right before it comes, it mm -hmm. just swooshes in. Yeah. I always love that whenever I was like uh, mowing lawns in Amarillo, it's very it's similar, very flat. But you'd see the thunderstorm and I knew like once, and it was like always blowing. And once it went dead still, I had 15 to 20 minutes to get my lawnmower up mm -hmm. and out and get home because in about 15 minutes, it's about to go whoop, boom and just drop the sky on you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, maybe I love that too because no one can tell you about that. Mm -hmm. 
the telling is no substitute for the experience. And we get to live in this world and experience <clears throat> so many things. Yeah. And we're settling for substitutes all the time. Hmm. A virtual substitute. And we're yeah. being misled and mm -hmm. necessarily misled. It just gives me new insight into this whole idea of misinformation. Like we're supposed to think that the truth comes from screens. Mm -hmm. No. There's, there's absolutely actually no way that's true. The truth is so much more complex. Tactile. That you have to go experience it to know it. Yeah. I mean, just like, what is that? You know, knowing a person, knowing someone else is, is another way to reference uh, intercourse, essentially. Mm -hmm. You know, do you know her? Yeah, Adam knew Have Eve. you knew her? Mm -hmm. Known? <laughs> I love the other one though. I do her. <laughs> That's you, past you poured tense. me too much this, whiskey. <laughs> you only had like two sips of it. It's, like, it's, not, <laughs> it's just just looking just at like it is making me drunk. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. So ladies, if you want to get Matt drunk, just just uh, <laughs> just pour him a glass of whiskey. He's like, oh I'm done. <laughs> um Yeah, reality has to be known. Mm -hmm. Just like a husband or wife has to be known mm. in that intimate way, yeah. that experiential way. And how wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> what? Just life is just ready to fuck you. And you're just. <laughs> <laughs> you're to her. <laughs> you're not <laughs> too busy scrolling Instagram. Yeah. Just open up. You could be getting <laughs> fucked by life. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome I love that because it's like that's the opposite of like what most people say getting fucked by life you know no, it's like that's no, why I said it <laughs> it's like in such a great way no this is a pleasurable yeah. one is it well that's funny too like is it good or bad to get fucked yeah depends depends yeah <laughs> totally oh uh, we've entered new territory here on the shores <laughs> we have went to the potty shores <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but what an invitation it's like a David Goggins thing Just wake up in the morning welcome to life you want to get fucked <laughs> uh, you don't really have a choice do you <laughs> well that's 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 something interesting it's like it's like you wake up you and there's you don't have a choice in certain respects you know yeah. like I mean, you have a choice to end your life or something like that, but that's not really a choice. That's sort of like a non-choice. It's, it's done, you know? But it's like you wake up and then you have a choice of how are you going to approach your day? And I think that's, that's it's like either inviting or sort of hiding or... Well, that kind of changes everything. Hmm. So... All right. So the question when you wake up in the morning is, are you ready to get fucked? It's like, do you want that to be drop the soap in prison style or, <laughs> uh, you know, Heidi Klum style? I don't even know who Heidi Klum is. <laughs> She's like the sort of top model from the 90s. Okay. 90s, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. She was married to Seal for a while. Oh. And you actually have... You can participate in <laughs> moving the dial between those two things. Mm -hmm. You could say, well, I'd like this. I'd like the Heidi Klum, please. <laughs> I'd like that special, you know, and it might be like, well, you're not quite there yet, mm -hmm. but you can make decisions which move you in that direction. <laughs> but you, but you get sucked every way. <laughs> Either way. Either way. <laughs> Now there was something I, there was like, <laughs> are we going to name this episode? Good morning. <laughs> you're getting fucked you're getting one fucked. way or the other. <laughs> uh, I kind of, I, I kind of like the vulgarness of, of this because <clears throat> it's kind of a call to participation, you know, it's in, it's an either unwilling participation or a willingness and, and the sort of the, the lukewarm in between just does not, just doesn't work. You, <clears throat> I 
yeah, I mean, life is happening either way. Mm -hmm. You can participate or not. Yeah. It's going to happen to you if you don't participate. If you do participate, you have some say over what goes down. Yeah. I, I find that invigorating. I find that wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I still struggle to participate. <laughs> totally. You know, I still wake up some mornings and just think, I don't want to get out of bed. Yeah. And I do it anyway, you know, because I'm working with that model. Mm -hmm. And then in, in those mornings, that model helps me because it's better to get out of bed than to stay in bed most of the time. Yeah. But isn't it interesting, though, because you've had so many years and you've also gone through so many different hardships that you've, you've, you've created this model. It's like, okay, I know when everything else is failing around me, this model is a good safety, like for me, to get up and to get moving. You know, mm -hmm. like I, you always bring, mention the idea of exercise, you know, and like, okay, whatever I do, I'm going to go take a walk with my dog. Like, just get outside or you know, do my stretches. Um, I think there's something to that as like, as you, as you live your life, you have these certain like, like sort of scaffolding you fall back on yeah. that, that has kind of served you, but it's not, it's not a matter of like, this is not where you, you should be. It's more of like, this is, this helps me get back on track because I know that as long as I do these base things. That actually is a, an example of, a piece of advice that I got in my life that actually, hmm. I would say, saved my life. When I was going through my divorce, I was, I was sick. Mm -hmm. From grief and Yeah, and from stress. all kinds of things, yeah. I think I lost 30 pounds. I was on the edge. Mm -hmm. I was on the edge of life. And I wasn't doing well. And I was luckily in therapy at the time, had been in therapy even before all of that happened. And at some point, my therapist said to me, you have two goals now, and these goals are more important than your job. They're more important than your kids. They're more important than your wife. Every day, you must eat three times a day. And you must do some kind of exercise, even if it's that you stand up and go walk a circle in your backyard. Because he's like, if you don't do those things, you are not going to be here to take care of the rest of the things that are important to you. Hmm. And I took that really seriously. In part because I was struggling so badly and in part because I could see in his eyes that he was serious, hmm. that he meant what he was saying, that there was danger if I didn't do this. Yeah. That was good advice. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that I took it. Yeah. I think it's so good as like, you know, as you've lived life, there's all these sort of tools that you kind of build up, you know, mm -hmm. that are, that are here to serve you. And I think that's kind of part of that conversation we had earlier. It's like, you're not here to serve your tools, but the tools are there to serve you. Um, you know, and it's like, but then, cause I think when you look at it that way, it's like, the, then the next question is, is, is what for, like, what are they serving you for? And because I mean, again, like, like his advice to you was sort of like, here's two things you need to do: three meals, and get some exercise. Mm -hmm. Why? It's like so that you can take care of your kids, right? So that you can deal with your wife in 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 a way that hopefully would, you know, uh, be better in, than with integrity. The yeah, alternative is yeah, yeah, than checking out and not yeah dealing with that. So. I think that's a, I think that's a great question always is, is like, what is this tool for? Like, what am I trying to accomplish? You know, like in knowing myself too, it's like in my limits and it's like, you know, one thing that, that I feel like you and I both have kind of seen too, is that it's good to push yourself beyond what you're capable of because you don't know what you're capable of, you know, 
like kind of the whole Navy SEALs type of idea mm -hmm. of is like, do you really know what it means to die? Like, oh, yeah, like if I ran five miles, I'd probably die. You're like, no, you might die at 32. You might die mm. at 57. We're going to find out. <laughs> you know, I think that's just, it's just good to find where your boundaries are and push yourself. Um, because if we stay comfortable in, in sort of like our sort of built castles that we have that keep us from truly experiencing something, it's like, I think that's another thing was where we talk about like these tools or these structures that we build. Sometimes it's, it's there, we're building those to protect us from the world around us. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's not good yeah. and healthy. We hide behind these things. We also need to, at other times we need to be exposed. <laughs> you know, it's like we need to bare our chest and be like, come at me world. <laughs> mm. And then you get knocked down. <laughs> I mean, I just love like like professional fighters and stuff. I think so many people that do that, whether professionally or just recreationally, and and like there's just no there's no question if you lost. It's like no, you tapped out. You're lost. You lost. You know, you can't you can't deny it. You know. I think that's what participating in life is like. You know, mm -hmm. you you hit points where you kind of sometimes have to tap out, yeah. <laughs> but does it mean forever? It's like, no, it's like, I learned something. I, I just kind of need a like little rest, <laughs> right? you know, and recover. And that's and, really good. <laughs> so it's like, it's okay to tap out, but it's just, it's, but it's more of a reprieve than it is a, you know, go hide. <laughs> right. It's like reprieve. And what did you learn? You know, how can you do that better? Hmm. Yeah, there's so many. I think I need to tap out. <laughs> yeah, are you done? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> All right. I don't uh, know what's happening with the whiskey tonight, but I'm. <laughs> we really haven't had that much. I know. I'm, <laughs> well, it's probably because like our our meal is like so meager. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's like nothing like paying thirty bucks for like two bites and a. <laughs> I also just think I'm. My mind is frayed in general. Hmm. And yeah. this, the topics we've been talking about are very heavy, far reaching. Because mm -hmm. I'm thinking about that, like, yeah, you find your limit and you tap out, mm. but not for good because, well, then you just quit. Then mm. you don't do that thing anymore. And if, if that's your strategy in everything, you're just going to diminish yourself into oblivion much better to test things, find your limit, tap out, and come back. Mm. Find your new limit. Understand more about it. And I find that to just be such a... Brett Weinstein says, like a treasure map, X marks the spot, paradox marks, marks the spot. Mm. And there's some kind of paradox in a lot of these things that we're talking about. Like, is advice good or bad? It's like, paradox. Mm-hmm. It's both good and bad. Yeah. <clears throat> so my my mind is just being strained, and I would like it not to be broken tonight. So, <laughs> well, one one thing I I really do love this idea, as you're touching on that, is, you know, as I've been working out more, it's like I f I find myself capable of more. Like mm -hmm. what was my max, you know, three months ago is so different from what my max is now, and it's just it's just fun to to experience that. And like, yeah. It's like, once you kind of taste that, oh, okay, no, this is good. I need to push myself because what I'm capable of today is only a small portion of what I'll be capable of in next year or the year after that, you know? Because it feels good to be strong. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like anything to be weak. No. It's like neutral. Yeah. Until you encounter a problem that you can't combat and then it feels bad. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't do hard things because it's taking a neutral line, a zero line, and turning it into something else. Mm -hmm. And neutral is bearable. Difficulty is hard. But then when you become stronger, 
as a result of that difficulty, that feels really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Coming out to the shores. Slanche. We love you. Love you all. <laughs> I cheers in Irish when I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.